heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. We've all heard the rumblings from the Biden administration, and we know that the Democrats have consistently tried to confiscate guns and infringe on our Second Amendment rights. We are hearing more about that as the Democrats' war on the Second Amendment is beginning to ramp up. But I want to also draw some parallels between gun control efforts and disarming the population, inhibiting our self-defense rights to defend our lives and our property and our families, our loved ones, with the assault on our medical freedoms, which have really been underway actually since 1965 with the implementation of the Medicare Act under President Lyndon Johnson, and then under the health care law in 2010, also known as Obamacare. This is Dr. Lee for America, standing in for Malcolm on Voice of a Nation. Today, we're going to be talking about gun control and health care control are fundamentally people control. Our medical freedom has been grossly infringed upon and our ability to make medical decisions with our physician tailored to our own needs has also been grossly infringed upon. And more and more, we are seeing third-party interference, whether it's the government, state, local, federal, or third-party interference by insurance companies and pharmacy benefits managers that are dictating what they will and will not allow. Most recently, we saw that in a huge way with the COVID pandemic, when governors stepped in to override physicians' legal off-label prescribing decision-making to, so that we, as physicians, could use medications that we've used for decades and use in many conditions off-label day in and day out. The governors imposed restrictions on hydroxychloroquine and even azithromycin, an older antibiotic, and actually prohibited, in many cases, the use of hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19, in spite of the fact that we've had data in our CDC and NIH research going back to 2002-2003 showing potent antiviral effects of hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine against the SARS-CoV-1 virus, which is about 78% the same viral genome as the SARS-CoV-2 virus causing the illness of COVID-19. None of it made any sense, except that it was aimed at political control and aimed at restricting early treatment and keeping people locked down in fear 
in order to create the demand for the very lucrative vaccine, which we saw rolled out in December 2020 and is being pushed as a mass vaccination effort as we speak. This was all about government control, whether it was state, local, or federal, government control of your healthcare decisions with your physician. And at heart, gun control and healthcare control have the same end result that they seek. Both are people controls and infringe upon constitutionally guaranteed liberties. When we look at the constitutional liberties as related to self-defense, self-defense here I am defining as protecting oneself from injury at the hands of others. It's not about taking vengeance. Self-defense is not about public punishing criminals. Self-defense involves preserving one's own health and life when it is threatened by the actions of others. And that includes, in fact, most importantly includes our government. But it also refers to when our life and health is threatened by the action of others, not just defending ourselves with a weapon, but defending ourselves with medical freedom as well. When we're talking about weapons and potentially lethal force in self-defense, we're talking about weapons used to protect ourselves and others, even if the weapon could kill the attacker. And we live in a country with approximately 250 million guns, perhaps more than that now, and approximately 350 million people. It's estimated that law-abiding citizens defend themselves using guns approximately one to two million times a year. You just don't hear about it in the media. In addition, in many states now, constitutional carry has become the law of states such as Arizona, Vermont, Alaska, and others. And that refers to being able to carry a weapon for self-defense, whether open or concealed, with or without a permit. Other states allow people to apply for concealed weapons permits, and some states restrict them to the point that the Second Amendment rights have been already infringed in those states. New Jersey is a good example, New York State is a good example, and Washington, D.C., where it's almost impossible for a law-abiding law citizen to get a permit to carry a concealed weapon for self-defense. So we already see areas of the country where the Second Amendment has basically been gutted. And some of those states are the same states where political control of medical freedom was most egregiously implemented during the COVID pandemic as well. New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Nevada, 
were huge intrusions on medical freedom by the Democrat governors of those states, even to the point where Governor Andrew Cuomo is responsible for the deaths of thousands of nursing home patients with his executive orders that restricted their ability to be admitted to a hospital and restricted doctors' ability to prescribe the one treatment that could have saved lives in the nursing home setting with the restrictions on hydroxychloroquine. So it was very clear that we see political control causing death during the COVID pandemic, and we've seen political control of weapons for self-defense leading to high death rates in the high crime areas such as Chicago, Washington, Philadelphia, Detroit, where citizens are prevented from having weapons for self-defense. We also are now living in a time when the current possibilities of economic and societal collapse, the rule of law has broken down. We saw that clearly in 2020. We're seeing it even more dramatically today with the breakdown in border control and the fact that we are seeing more illegals who are criminals as well as those carrying diseases coming across the border. And we as citizens have limited means of protecting ourselves. People are understandably buying more guns and ammunition in large quantities for self-protection. And so we really need to be looking at these twin aspects of self-defense, medical self-defense and weapons for self-defense. And that also ties in with something that is often overlooked, and that is the biblical obligation to preserve life. In both the Old and New Testament, the Bible clearly teaches us that we must preserve life, our own lives and the lives of other people. And not only are we to take care of our bodies and the life that it contains, we have an obligation throughout the Bible to preserve life of other people, preserve the body and the life of other people. Psalm 82, 4 even cites an obligation to protect those who are in danger. It says, rescue the weak and needy, deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. And in Proverbs 24, 11, there is an indication that we have a duty to preserve the lives of those who are harming themselves. Deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to slaughter. And then there's the well-known passage in Ezekiel 33, verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. 
So we not only have a constitutional right to defend our life, but we also have a biblical duty to do so. The biblical principles could hardly be stated more forcefully. You must protect your life and the lives of others. Our founders knew the biblical teachings of both the Old and New Testament, and they applied the biblical teachings to the principles they enshrined in our Constitution. Contrary to those who say that it is not Christian to support the Second Amendment or that we as Christians should turn the other cheek and not use force, the Bible is very clear that self-defense is our responsibility and, as I said, our duty, actually. The possession of weapons is not discouraged in Scripture. In fact, in many places in the Old and New Testament, it is actually encouraged that people are to have weapons for self-defense and preservation of life and to be skilled at using them. So I would submit that as free American citizens, if we are going to fulfill our duties as citizens to restrain tyranny, restrain evil, restrain violence, and restrain attacks on our person and our property, then we have a constitutional right and a constitutional duty, as well as a biblical one, to not only have weapons available for us to use to carry out those responsibilities, but we also have a duty and a responsibility to be trained in their proper and safe use. In my experience in handgun training, for example, it's quite clear that far too many people very cavalierly decide they're going to have a gun for self-defense, go out, purchase a gun, buy ammo, and don't bother to take the classes to learn how to use it properly and how to be a safe and responsible gun owner. I'm shocked at how many men will actually go out and buy a gun for their wife, and the woman has never tried to shoot it. Oftentimes what happens is the gun is not right for a woman's hand. She may be intimidated by it. She hasn't had the proper training. And it actually creates more danger than help. When I began my own training, I took the time to go to the range, to work with instructors, to take classes, and to try different weapons to see what worked best for my hand, my skill level, my comfort, my safety, and the safety of those around me. And I think that that is a critically important point that often gets overlooked. We have duties, we have rights, and with those duties and rights come responsibilities. Too often now we see people not wanting to take the responsibility for maintaining their health, and we see people not wanting to take the responsibility for maintaining their security and safety. 
And all of those are responsibilities of being an American citizen and being true to our Judeo-Christian founding principles, which are written and incorporated in ways throughout all of our founding documents. In these comments today, I am certainly not advocating vengeance and I am not advocating violence. In fact, the Bible is very clear in Proverbs 3, 31 through 32, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the crooked man is an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. In conclusion, with regard to this perspective on our constitutional and our biblical duties and responsibilities, I'll leave you with this interesting thought. As a physician, I'm keenly aware of the degree to which medical mistakes, both in outpatient settings and in hospital settings, contribute to several hundred thousand deaths per year in our country. We don't hear a lot about that, and we do hear a lot about the horror of gun violence and gun deaths. But medical accidents, medical errors leading to deaths are close to 9,000 times greater than accidental deaths caused by gun owners having an accident, accidental discharge, for example. And that's based on databases in the FBI and in the CDC. So you are actually more likely to die of a medical error or medical accident than a gun-related accident at the hands of a lawful gun owner. So before we condemn those who seek to exercise their Second Amendment rights, maybe we should be looking at the role of doctors in accidentally causing death. And I say that as a practicing physician who's keenly aware of our important duty to be careful and cautious. The same principles apply to gun ownership as they do in medical practice. I think many times people are not realizing that the aim of gun control isn't about saving lives, and it really isn't about safety. It's about preventing each individual citizen from having the right to defend themselves against government overreach. Our founders understood that when government is out of control, that's tyranny. That is one of the reasons that Whenever any totalitarian government, whether it was Nazi Germany or Mao Zedong in China or Stalin in Soviet Russia after the Marxist revolution in Russia, whenever any totalitarian government confiscates the citizens' weapons that give them the right to self-defense, the citizens become sheep being led to the slaughter. Mao Zedong killed over 30 million Chinese 
in the course of his genocide in China, Stalin killed 25 to 30 million Russians on his watch in the Soviet Union. People are vulnerable and our founders knew that from their experiences with King George and the tyranny of British rule in the colonies. As a physician, I have been very involved in the fight to preserve medical freedom and privacy and the right to use our own money to pay for medical services that we need or decide to have. And I think sometimes people have wondered why as a physician and defender of patients' lives and medical freedom, that I would also be a strong defender of the Second Amendment that says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed upon. But I don't see it as odd at all. Consider that our bodies are our most personal of property. British philosopher John Locke, who greatly influenced our founders, taught that each of us have the unalienable right to control our own bodies. We own our bodies. It's fundamental. The right to life means we have the right to control our bodies. We have the right to defend our bodies when threatened with harm. Now, I would extend that observation to today when I would say that our right to defend our body and our health has been seriously impaired with the mask mandates and the lockdowns. I mean, some state governors were even telling people they couldn't go outside and being outside in the sunshine and having your body be able to make vitamin D naturally is one of the best treatments for viral illnesses, which we've known since the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918. They actually moved patients out of the hospital into the beds in the sunlight and helped save lives. So the fundamental imposition of mask mandates and having us wear masks that interfere with our immune function, our respiratory exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide, and actually wearing masks for long periods of time is a physiological stress on the body and impairs the immune response and makes people sicker over time, as we have begun to see, although that data is suppressed in the media, we're seeing absolutely in spades what happens when government bureaucrats and politicians micromanage our healthcare. Now, if we also have no right to defend ourselves, then when there is harm, such as is happening in the border states right now with the flood of illegals coming across the border, then you you actually have a double whammy and you begin to see how totalitarian governments use both gun control and healthcare control as a means of controlling the population. Look how quickly the American population submitted to all of these draconian lockdowns, mask mandates, and controls on our freedom of movement. And just think about how much worse 
that can be when not only is COVID treatment restricted, but your treatment for many other conditions is restricted and rationed as is happening in all of the socialized medicine countries. So I I really think that we need to look at both of these as an infringement on our constitutionally guaranteed liberties. And we better wake up and look at what we as American citizens, as a free people, with our life and liberty as gifts of our creator, not granted by the government. And look at how we can get involved and do everything in our power to protect our liberty because when liberty is lost, it will be unlikely to be regained in our lifetime. Let's think about the difference in the definition of liberty versus democracy. I get very tired of hearing talking heads in the media and in particularly the Democrats talk about, we must preserve our democracy. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a democracy in the United States of America. We are a constitutional republic and there is a huge difference. A democracy as in Venezuela, for example, is tyranny of the majority, the majority rules. You have 1% over 50% and you've got a majority and you rule and you dictate to everyone else. That is exactly what is happening under the current new administration installed on January 20th, 2021. Democrat control of the White House, the Senate, the House, and we are seeing corruption and control in our courts as well. That is the tyranny of the majority that our founders were determined to prevent. So what did Ben Franklin say about liberty versus democracy? Benjamin Franklin said, democracy is two wolves and a lamb sitting down to vote on what to have for lunch. Liberty is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. And that is the difference between a republic, which is liberty and protects the minority, and democracy, which is the tyranny of the majority. So from John Locke's belief that we own our bodies came the next step in his ideas. And this was the unique idea upon which America was founded that we are each endowed with our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of owning individual property by our creator. It is our creator who endows us with those natural rights, not the government. When our Declaration of Independence was finalized, the word property was changed to the pursuit of happiness. And that conveyed the personal nature of the pursuit of property. In other words, we pursue owning property, the fruits of our mind and our creativity and our innovation, our intellectual development of ideas and products. We, we pursue happiness in owning property, whether it's land or a home 
or other aspects of ownership, that idea of individual right to own property that is not granted by the government or the king or the dictator is, is one of the fundamental natural rights of being an American. Our bodies, as I said, are the most personal property we own. It's our choice whether we take care of it with exercise, healthy eating, proper rest and relaxation, moderation in the pleasures that we pursue, medical checkups. It's also our choice to abuse our bodies. People overeat, overdrink, overstress. People are running at a thousand miles a minute with a thousand things a minute coming at them. Overuse drugs, miss their medical checkups. Those are all individual choices. Now, there are consequences. If you fail to take care of your body, it's going to run down sooner. You may die sooner. You may have chronic debilitating conditions. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to not take care of the body that you were given. But a lot of people do that. So that's your choice. The next step in this logic is that if we own our bodies, we also control our bodies. Now, in Roe v. Wade, the Democrats used that argument to pass a woman's right to abort her baby as control over the woman's body. Interestingly enough, fast forward to 2020, the Democrats decided that we no longer have the right to control our body and decide how we want to protect ourselves against the COVID-19 illness and the SARS-CoV-2 virus. We had to do exactly what they said, and we were prohibited from taking steps that were simple and effective to reduce our risk of getting infected and going into the hospital and dying. We were restricted from early treatments with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and azithromycin and doxycycline and corticosteroids, for example. So it's exactly the opposite of the reasoning that they used to support the abortion platform, which they've had in place since 1973, and the woman's right to control her body was enshrined in law. But now our right as American citizens is no longer our own to choose because governors, FDA bureaucrats, Anthony Fauci, NIH guidelines, WHO, all of these government agencies have decided what we can and cannot do to protect ourselves in the COVID pandemic. But fundamentally, the right to defend our bodies, to survive, to have life, is in turn the foundation for the idea that we have the right to keep and bear arms. You cannot defend yourself with a piece of paper or pretty please let me live. I mean, we see how effective that is. And not only that, the right to own a weapon for self-defense against government tyranny, which is what the founders intended, had nothing to do with hunting for sports. The Democrats try to say, well, you don't need a 20-round magazine for hunting, or you don't need a high-powered assault rifle. Never mind that that's a wrong term. But they're talking about hunting as if that's what the Second Amendment was all about. And clearly it's not. 
it was to defend the citizens against a totalitarian, tyrannical government as our colonists experienced in colonial America in fighting off the British and King George's tyranny. So just as access to the right type of medical care when we need it means we live longer, access to firearms when we need them to defend ourselves also preserves our freedom to live our life. When the federal, state, or local governments control who can have medical care, as we've seen with the pandemic, who has access to what services, again, clearly shown throughout 2020 with restriction on basic treatment at home early to prevent death from COVID, as well as they control who can keep and bear arms. Both of these types of control deprive individuals of their most fundamental and God-given right, the right to own and defend our bodies. Defenders of the right to bear arms, all of us acknowledge that firearms are designed to kill a predator, whether it's a man, a beast, or government seeking to take away our life or take away our freedom. But it's not just that owning firearms is designed to kill a predator. In fact, our founders really intended it to protect against government taking over our lives. And that's why our founders thought it was so important to enshrine the Second Amendment in our Constitution. And it was the Second Amendment because it was the amendment that allowed defense of the First Amendment, the right to free speech, and the freedom to assemble both of which were dramatically infringed upon in 2020 in ways we've never seen in my lifetime in this country. And the Second Amendment was was clearly intended to defend our property against takeover from the government or criminals. And let's be clear, This is all aimed, gun control is all aimed at controlling citizens. There is no control for criminals because criminals don't obey the law anyway. Common sense people know that. And I granted common sense has gone the way of the dodo bird among our politicians, but clearly common sense tells us that criminals are criminals because they don't obey the law. We have criminals having access to guns in Chicago, the most tightly controlled gun control laws in the country, Chicago, New Jersey, New York City, Washington, D.C. All of them have extremely stringent gun control laws in place that regulate every aspect of a citizen being able to have guns for self-defense. But criminals still get access to the guns. Murder rates are sky high in those cities. And in fact, if you took out the homicide rates in the top five American cities with the tightest gun control laws, you'd find that the death rate across the United States drops us 
much lower on the, the international scale than what the Democrats like to report, claiming our healthcare system is so bad. We're looking at homicide in areas of tight gun control as one of the leading causes of death in this country that ends up driving up the overall death rate. And most people don't realize that. But let's look at what the Second Amendment of the Constitution actually says. As ratified by the states at the time, it reads, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, end quote. These words are very clear. The right of the people, men and women, shall not be infringed. Yet the radical gun control group has become unhinged over the what they claim are mass shootings that could have been prevented with better gun control laws. No, they couldn't. They were most all of the mass shootings, in fact, all but one that I know of in the last 20, 25 years, were committed by people with mental illness and political vendettas and committed in gun-free zones where they were clearly violating the regulations and laws already in place. And some of the mass shooters, Virginia Tech is a good example, a mentally ill young man whose mental illness and court adjudication that prevented him from owning a firearm was not even entered into the federal database. And he purchased his firearm legally because of a failure in the existing rules. People did not follow the existing rules. Same was true with the Safeway shooting in Tucson. And the Sandy Hook shooting was a disturbed young man stole a legally acquired weapon in his home. So this is not about gun control failing. It's about a failure of the existing laws. And politicians who don't agree with our founders say that this right should have, that the right that shouldn't be infringed upon needs to have extreme gun control measures that would essentially ban all firearms except revolvers and may even involve a house-to-house -house search for weapons and maybe not even allow revolvers. And that's exactly what my ancestors fought against when King George was oppressing them. The key question we should be asking is who in society gets to have weapons? Well, let's explore that after we take a short break. We'll be right back on Voice of a Nation with Dr. Lee for America, standing in for Malcolm. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. 
There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multi-nutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Fighting every day against the internet monopolies that are trying to stifle our right to free speech and freedom of assembly. Five years on the air and we will not be silenced. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. This is Dr. Lee. We're back with Voice of a Nation. And before the break, I raised the question as the question we should all be asking, who in society gets to have the weapons? Only the government? Only law enforcement? Only criminals who don't follow gun control laws anyway? Or shall free men and women be trusted to keep and bear arms as our founders intended? Clearly, the Democrats have made it clear for most of my adult life that their goal is that only the government should control the weapons and only government-sanctioned law enforcement. And we see where that led in countries like Venezuela, North Korea, China, communist China, Cuba, and many others. Democrats typically ask the question, why do you want an AR-15? The question we should be asking is, why do you not want me to have one? The U.S. government particularly under control of the Democrats, do not trust law-abiding American citizens to keep and bear arms. That's the antithesis, however, of what our founders intended for free men and women. A free society has created in America and unique for this idea, trusted its people to bear arms for self-defense. This is not the case in the socialistic democracies of Europe, nor is it the case in the totalitarian states such as the old Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, Communist China, North Korea, Iran, Cuba, and many others. Venezuela today is a good example of a failed state democracy where citizens were stripped of their right to have self-defense. In fact, in each of the totalitarian states around the world, as soon as gun control and gun confiscation were enacted, these governments began slaughtering their citizens, millions of them in those countries. 
And I think this focus on gun control ties in very well with the healthcare control that we've seen in the push for socialized medicine, or as the Democrats like to call it, euphemistically, Medicare for all, which essentially means socialized medicine under control of the federal government and under their control, not ours and not your physicians. The two are the twin tracks of population control. And that really, I think we are seeing quite clearly as the Democrats open up our southern borders and we begin seeing the border crisis in all of the bordering states with Mexico, states where I live and work, Dallas and uh, Dallas, Texas and Arizona, are clearly being inundated with illegal immigrants. Now, that illustrates the problem on both gun control for the citizens and the way in which the government has been controlling our ability to move around freely and decide our medical treatment with the COVID pandemic, because the illegals that are flooding our southern borders are not only bringing in those who are criminal, rapists, murderers, drug cartel members, MS-13 gang members, but they're also bringing in COVID-19, tuberculosis, Chagas disease, and other viral illnesses, other bacterial illnesses, other parasitic illnesses, because they are not screened. So they are not screened for weapons. They are not screened for viruses and other disease-causing organisms. Yet we, as American citizens, who are supposed to be free people under our Constitution and Bill of Rights, have all of our freedoms restricted under the COVID emergency orders that were draconian overreaches and clear constitutional violations that the Democrats are looking to extend in perpetuity. So I think this issue of looking at both healthcare control and gun control as the, the flip side of the same coin of people control becomes critically important as we move forward into 2021, because it is going to be the citizens who need to speak up and work at the local level politically to turn around these controls that are increasingly being placed on our lives. We're already seeing it in the censorship on social media, in the mainstream media, and in the Truth News Network, which is censoring information about the vaccine risk. And when we look at the idea of our founders that we controlled our bodies, we control, we own our bodies, we control our bodies, we make the decisions about what is done medically to our bodies. Look at the degree to which people are being coerced and propagandized into receiving the COVID-19 experimental biological agents that they are calling vaccines. These are not classic vaccines in the normal sense in the way we have used it and developed them medically over the modern era of vaccine development. These are experimental biological agents 
They are still investigational. And we only have two months of safety data from the clinical trials that were planned to have a minimum of 24 months safety data. And they stopped prematurely at two months and rolled out the vaccines under the emergency use authorization. Many Americans don't realize that the emergency use authorization means that these COVID-19 investigational agents are still experimental. And during World War II, when the Nazis engaged in horrific medical experimentation on Jewish prisoners, it was brought to light in the Nuremberg War criminal trials. And from that point on, the world agreements and world law, including laws in the United States, have prevented experimenting on people without their consent, without informed consent. And what I'm alarmed about in hearing from my patients, some of whom have gone ahead and gotten the vaccine, and I didn't have a chance to have a risk-benefit discussion with them about whether they were good candidates or whether they were candidates at high risk for adverse events. Many of them tell me that they really didn't have any significant informed consent. They were just told that the vaccines would prevent spread of COVID, would prevent them from getting infected and reduce hospitalizations and death. That is not what the clinical trial data showed. The clinical trial data showed that the only benefit of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were simply to reduce the severity of the symptoms of the illness, not infection, not spread, not hospitalizations, and they did not reduce deaths. So that means people are being coerced into putting something in their bodies that we have very little safety data to know just how safe it is long-term, that has very high adverse event rates, and yet the Trusted News Network is a media collusion to suppress the information on the adverse events and deaths. As of this date, which is March the 6th, we have over a thousand deaths related to the vaccine reported to the CDC database. On average, only about 1% of adverse events are actually reported to the CDC database. So we are looking at the situation where we are losing control of our bodies medically. We are being told to wear masks all day. We are being told to wear masks everywhere we go. We're being told that we must get this vaccine. We're being told we cannot have access to old, safe, generic medicines we've used for 65 years without um, running afoul of the authorities from the government. And we're told that Democrats now want to control our right to self-defense when they've opened up the borders and are flooding our country with illegals, a large percentage of whom, according to my contacts in the Border Patrol, are criminal illegal aliens coming across our border with intent to do us harm. 
our inability to defend our body medically and our inability to defend our body in self-defense against criminals who may be armed and dangerous. And certainly we see that in Arizona and Texas, where I have personal experience, that the crime rates have gone through the roof. All of that raises extremely alarming prospects for Americans to have our most fundamental right of all, which is our right to protect our body, our life, and our property, the very rights that are God-given and that our founders enshrined in the Constitution and Bill of Rights. And I think it's, it's tragic that we also have seen the politicization of medical care. I remember when Joe Biden was vice president under President Obama and the discussions about Obamacare were taking place, Biden suggested that doctors should be used to ask patients whether they have guns in the home and how many and what type, and then evaluate the patients as to whether they were mentally stable enough to even own a gun. Now that is ominous for several reasons. Number one, who is deciding what your medical stability is and is that person adequately trained to do so? Or do they have a political agenda in labeling you mentally unstable, which clearly happened in the Soviet Union and happens in communist China day in and day out? People are accused of being psychiatric patients simply for disagreeing with the government propaganda. Then there's the question of what is kept in the electronic medical records, that is a stealth attack on gun registration, which again was prohibited in the Second Amendment. You know, all of these surreptitious efforts to track gun ownership, to restrain our right for self-defense, both medically and defensively with a weapon of our choice, all are an attack on the body, which if you've noticed in the discussion around abortion is considered sacrosanct if a woman wants to abort a baby and the woman has her ability to use her body as she wishes, never mind the fact that that is depriving the baby of its right to live, and then turn right around and prevent us as thinking adults, free men and women, from having the choice to control our bodies. I really think we better look at these issues very carefully and very seriously. And all of us, all of you listening, need to get busy and look at ways to defend your medical freedom and your self-defense freedom under the Second Amendment. As a physician, I strongly feel that having doctors ask about guns in the home totally violates the physician, proper physician-patient relationship and turns physicians into the agents of the state. I find that abhorrent. It violates the constitution. 
it violates our duty under the oath of Hippocrates as an advocate for the individual patient that has been the fundamental principle guiding medical practice for 25 years. And I really want you to think about just how serious this is. The slippery slope to gun control, while on the surface, some of the proposal, proposals may sound reasonable, none of them are new and none of them are ones that we haven't been trying all along. There is a national criminal database. All gun purchases are required to be checked against the national criminal database. And people are not allowed to buy weapons online other than the fact that they may be able to select their weapon, but it has to be delivered to the purchaser through a federally licensed firearm distributor. So the talking points that you hear exaggerate the risk. They misrepresent the gun control laws already on the books that are not being particularly well enforced. And we really need to be more educated about just exactly what the real statistics show. John Lott has an excellent book called More Guns, Less Crime, and clearly shows that crime statistics across the United States show that in areas where citizens are known to have the right to carry a firearm for self-defense, crime rates are lower than in areas where gun control is extremely strict. And law enforcement officers, if they're honest, will bear that out as well. I really encourage all of you, we need to wake up America. Our American Revolution was the only revolution in history whose visionaries created a document that disempowered those who created it and gave power to the people. And today we see the government that was created by the people for the people is using the people's tax dollars to whittle away our freedom. So I want to emphasize to all of you, this is Dr. Lee for America, standing in for Malcolm and signing off today. Get involved, get loud, and speak out to make your community and your country a better place.